Welcome, guys, to another episode of the YBR Remo Show. You've got your host here, Alex McFadden. Uh, today, I have Ian Tucker of GNV Insurance, a property insurance expert, coming on. And don't worry, we'll make sure made sure that this is an interesting one. Ian has an accent, so you'll all enjoy listening to him talk about property insurance. But joking aside, we had some big questions and concerns come up nationwide and worldwide as it pertained to Strata Insurance earlier this year. And it kind of got swept under the rug when COVID happened. But Ian has some updates for us today on where we stand, what to look out for if you're buying Strata, if you should even consider purchasing Strata and what that impact will be on real estate investors and so forth. You're going to really enjoy this episode. I think you're going to learn a lot. I know I did. If you guys are liking the show, please subscribe, share it with a friend, like, let us know, send us some feedback. We'd love to hear it from you. Have an amazing, amazing day. Enjoy the show and we'll talk to you soon. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. All right, Ian, the broker in Abbotsford. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today, my man. Uh, good conversation to start the thing off. So um, if for everybody listening here, we got Mr. Mr. Ian, Sir Ian, uh, joining us today of a company which we cannot pronounce. So we're just gonna we're just gonna call him Ian of Abbotsford. Uh, Ian's uh, an awesome guy. We've had the chance to get to know over the course of wow. I feel it's only been like it's only been a little while, like four to six months. It was right before COVID. We got yeah, to exactly. Each other and uh, we hit it off really well, right? Uh, and, and, um, we, we, uh, we met actually on an investor bus tour, which was, was really fun. Uh, what a unique experience that was. Have you ever done that before, by the way? I haven't. No, Ben, Ben mentioned it to me a few times and, uh, no, I haven't, but it was pretty good. And I think, you know, there was some, some good characters there that learned a lot. It was, it was good, especially, yeah, listening to you guys. It was, it was definitely worth their while, I think. Yeah. And, and then, so, so, so basically for anybody listening, we basically, uh, two, two of uh, our partners, uh, agents that we work with out in the Abbotsford area, uh, took about, uh, 14 to 16, uh, clients who wanted to learn how to invest in real estate. Uh, and then, uh, Derek and I have the thrive team, uh, along with Ian. And we went, we went to, uh, I think six or seven potential investment properties with pro formas, with everything prepared. So we could actually visually see it, which was super cool, but we got the chance to meet Ian and that's why we're here today. Uh, Ian um, has been in insurance for a number of years and uh, we found it to be very, very informative. And so, you know, with uh, back in February, when we had that investor bus tour, there was a lot happening at the time and there was a lot of noise in the marketplace around strata insurance and so forth. It kind of fell to the back burner once we hit uh, this COVID circumstances situation, but it's kind of reared its head again with people buying in the market and with the government getting some intervention. So we thought it'd be a perfect time. Uh, bring in, uh, bring you on, my friend, to talk about what's happening yeah, there, and talk about some some other items. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you very much for having me. Perfect. So, uh, you know, basically, like where we want to start off right now is we want to just jump right into it and and get into where we're at. And maybe can you give us a uh, almost like a Coles notes rundown of uh, what we learned back in February uh, to today, uh, just to where we are at, and we we'll, we can kind of walk through it, and and then we can jump into what's going on today. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So generally, just talking about the uh, the impact on Strata Insurance. Um, 
a lot of it came out in the press and there's obviously been some pretty big events worldwide which have taken a bit of press time away from it but it's still still present and still a problem and uh Generally, what it means is if you're living in a strata building, which I think there's, you know, roughly 1.5 million people in, in BC living in a strata building, you're seeing your insurance premiums go up and uh, it's, it's drastic. I think the increase has been between 40 and 300 percent increases on the renewal for the strata building itself. Um, so, yeah, lots of reasons that that's happening. It's uh, we're in a hard market insurance wise and uh, a lot of insurance companies have just decided it's, it's not been a profitable venture for them and uh, they're pulling out, which is making it hard to find coverage. And, and those agreeing to, uh, to still insure these kind of buildings are asking for a lot of money and, and big changes, which is impacting um, strata unit owners, condo owners. And, you know, this is, uh, I think, a good opportunity to educate people about what to look out for and how it's going to impact them. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's only a handful of insurance companies that can really handle the the massive monster insurance policies correct like these 40 60 million dollar policies it's fairly limited it is i mean it's basically been run by uh what's called program business so they're not even insurance companies they're front for insurance company insurance companies like typically a building as you mentioned which is you know 60 million dollars to rebuild i mean some of these buildings can be huge have you know maybe like 10 or 15 insurance companies backing them taking a small piece because no one wants to be in that situation you insure a building at 60 million that goes down that's too much money to lose right so and especially what we're in is a hard market so people are more risk adverse so maybe if they were willing to insure a building for 30 million now they'd only do 10 million so so that's where these there are you know prominent companies that deal with this but they're uh, they're finding it tricky to, to insure these buildings for sure and hard market what do you mean by that so hard market, every every market, insurance market has its cycles, and we've probably been in the worst market for the last 20, 30 years. It generally means that there's um, lack of supply. So yeah, if you've got a building which is one million to replace, then it's it's not too hard to find insurance, you know, and people who will back you to do that. But when it's 60 million, um, that that's there's just limited supply out there of companies willing to insure these types of buildings, and they'll charge a, a huge amount to do so. So rates have increased. Beginning of the year, we had fires in Australia. There's there's constantly events happening around the world, which are basically causing huge insurance losses. And, and we think of ourselves as like, hey, we just live in the lower mainland, but actually, you know, insurance prices are affected globally. So these big events have an effect on all of us. And, um, and strata buildings particularly have been having a lot of small claims, water claims, things like that, which have just meant they're not being profitable for, for insurance companies to, to insure. That's what I was gonna say is this isn't just a local you know, Fraser Valley or, or even BC problem. It is worldwide. But, um, you know, given that maybe the values in Vancouver are so dramatically high, like you're going to see more strata issues where we live compared to maybe in Alberta or Saskatchewan because of the values of the buildings. Is that right? Yeah, in part the values. I mean, it's not always the real estate. It, it's the really the, the rebuild cost the is rebuild, what the insurance right? factor so that's one fact, but also we're in an earthquake zone as well. So that's that's the other right. the other issue for us particularly is that, yeah, you've got to also factor that in that there's the earthquake risk as well, which we have. So so in, in the Vancouver area, would you say that we're in a unique situation in, in Vancouver, unlike most of the rest of uh, the country in regards to what you just mentioned, total cost of, of, the, of the building in addition to that earthquake zone or or is it relatively comparable? And those are just slight adjustments. Yeah, I'd say it's relatively comparable. I think that the same thing's been happening across Canada um, in terms of the condo market um, of, of what's happening here. But yeah, we have the added factor of the earthquake is 
it's definitely puts off certain people who just don't want to take on that risk because it is, uh, you know, obviously severe, severe risk if it does happen. Have we already seen builders and contractors uh, of these uh, types of companies, the large developers, I should say, make changes or shift the way that they're, they are developing these buildings due to these insurance increases? Have you noticed or seen that yet? Or has there been talk of that? I haven't yet. I mean, that, that's the problem. And I don't know what, there's so many developments going up um, constantly and I'm not sure what the impact, I mean, yeah, we haven't seen that many changes and I don't know what, you know, we're going, we're going to move forward with the government things. I haven't distinctly seen anything that they're changing at this point. I mean, obviously strata fees are going to be impacted because the costs of uh, the insurance is higher. Um, but I haven't seen any, any, any real changes at this point. Um, I think the government's probably going to dictate that there has to be some um, in certain levels to, to try and moderate things. But I haven't seen at this point any changes on that side of things. I guess we want to, what we really want to know is uh, for people who are purchasing investment properties or real estate for themselves uh, in uh, you know, the Vancouver area or outside the Vancouver region in, in British Columbia as a whole, um, you know, wh wh like what should we expect going forward? Is this, would you consider this to be kind of a new normal and we'll see strata fees just generally speaking, always a little bit heightened or is there going to be a dramatic shift and it's going to take some time to, uh, to impact people? I mean, I get asked all the time from, uh, especially first time buyers and, and uh, the investment uh, uh, crew that looks at purchasing uh, condominiums and, uh, and so forth for, for themselves or for their investments. Hey, is this a bad idea? Should I be concerned that my strata fees are going to go up 100, 200, $300 overnight? Is it going to impact the cost of my investment? And while I, I know you can't necessarily speak to the actual value of the property per se, what are your thoughts on if we're going to see these uh, increases continue over the next few years? And, and I guess my, as a second question follow-up to that would be, uh, how dramatic do you think it will be? Um, I think my thoughts of, of how long this is going to go on for, you know, a little bit unknown. We've been, there's been other parts of the insurance market which have been hitting bad times, I would say, since we're we getting close to 18 months. Um, and as I say, it is a market cycle. Now, maybe there's either going to be, I don't know what the government can do really in all in honesty, because I mean, they don't have the pockets to ensure these things, the pockets to ensure these things. So there's limited factors what they do, but maybe, you know, the pricing's changed, maybe in a few years time, more insurance companies will actually come on board and see an opportunity to, you know, the market's going to open up. But I guess it's a little bit with you guys at the moment, interest rates are low and it's a market cycle and there's various factors which lead to that, which, you know, you know a lot better than I do about that. But, uh, but, you know, there'll be a time I'm sure interest rates won't always be low. And, and I think that will be the same with the insurance market conditions we're seeing will at some point change and stabilize. I'd say we've got to be close to the bottom of the market, I would say. I'm hoping. I really hope um, in terms of how bad it's getting. Um, and so the good thing with that is if you've got potential buyers, when they're getting their um, buying the properties and they're looking at the insurance policies, They'll, you can generally tell if it's been impacted by the changes and if, if it's renewed in the last sort of six months, eight months, you probably know, hey, this is already, we know what we're in for a little bit. If the policy hasn't renewed yet, that's one thing you want to look at. If it's uh, an August renewal on the building and um, the deductibles for water are still $10,000, you can probably say, well, it hasn't had the impact. And, you know, if you're purchasing that uh, place, I would probably want to see what's going to happen there because you know, if there's a high chance if that premium is going to go up 40 or 100%, then you're going to see that allocated cost to you and your strata fees. And so what you're budgeting as an investment property is, is going to change, right? So, uh, 
but if uh, if a policy just renewed uh, in March and you you know what you're up against, then then I think you're still good to buy basically. And these are annual policies, right? Every year they renew. Yeah, twelve month policies. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple of clients buying strata properties, and the existing strata payments were reasonable. Uh, and there was an upcoming insurance policy renewal, but they already had it done and it was set. And they knew that their strata fees were going to be going up for the next 12 months. And it was like a $200 difference. So that actually yeah. made one of the clients walk away. And how it was explained to another one of our clients was that it's going to be like this for a year. And after that, they're expecting that these insurance companies are going to be earning a lot more profit because a lot of this does tie into the profitability of the insurance company. Yeah. So this was explained to them, and this could be totally wrong, um, but it was explained to them that this, the increased strata fees and the increased insurance policies are going to make these companies much more profitable to a level where hopefully after this year, or maybe it's two years or maybe it's three years, everything can get back to a normal. And of course, it's, it's building dependent, but what are your thoughts yeah. on that? I, I think to a level that that is correct. I mean, it's got to, as you say, every line of insurance, whatever you're insuring, you, you want to have an, an, a strong underwriting pocket now. Most people think insurance companies make huge amounts of money and uh, I'm not saying some don't, but I used to work for one and basically we would aim for a combined ratio of 97%, which means that for every dollar of premium we take after we pay claims and pay all our costs, we're walking away with that margin. So that's a 3% margin and that's a good year. That's what they aim for. So if you think about that and when you're running these starter programs, they're probably going negative. They're probably, you know, for every dollar you take a premium, they were probably paying out 40 cents you know, when you average yeah. it out and that's where, it, and so you basically, if you can make it profitable, as you say, the premiums have gone up, then hopefully it will adjust. Now, maybe they'll come down a little bit, but maybe they'll be saying, Hey, at these margins, at these crazy prices, we're still, it works for us. Um, maybe it encourage more people to come in more insurance companies to be like, yeah, we want to be involved with this. It's going to make money. And it's, so, you know, I mean, more a lot supply, of our, basically. Yeah. A lot of what I've taken from from what you said there, in you know, as far as today is concerned, whether it's a first time buyer, downsizer, or investor, whatever that situation is, and they are looking to get into the strata market, is the primary consideration that they should be looking at there is whether or not the the insurance has been renewed and what the impact is on the cost, because at least they know it, it, at this point you know what you're dealing with. Is that fair to say? Exactly. And the other thing, it's it's that it gives you a better broader view. And the other thing is you want to look at is. Uh, it's important and you guys do it, you know, anytime that I've dealt with you is that, you know, you make sure your clients uh, let me see the strata policy and we can look at the deductibles because that's also going to incur a cost for them. That if you're, you're got to insure your unit and if the deductibles we're seeing used to be $5,000, now they're $100,000, which you as a unit owner can be assessed. That's going to cost you more money as well. Um, so that's, you know, for investors, that's a budgeting factor as well that, you know, what your insurance costs are going to be. And all of this is, you know, implement that is meant that it's costing the buyer, the unit owner, a lot more money as well, not just in strata fees, but in their own insurance, because uh, the onus has been put from the, the strata building policy to the owner by these huge deductibles, meaning that you know it's not covered under the building, it's covered under your policy. So, so that's another thing it's important to look at, um, you know, what those costs are gonna be. Can you do a quick once over of the differences between the strata, like the building policy and yeah. your internal policy? Yeah. So basically, if, if you buy, uh, Derek, you buy, you're buying a condo, or you, ha you own a condo, you have um, coverage for your contents. Um, so say if you have $50,000 for all your contents in there, and then you've basically got coverage for, for what will happen. Say, for example, if the, the dishwasher overflows, now it might damage some of your contents, which you need coverage for, but also it's going to 
damage seep down maybe to the, the unit below you and damage the structure. That's going to trigger, that's the building, that's not you, that's the building's been damaged. And so the building policy has to respond. Your, your coverage really is only within your unit. It's your contents and things like that. But once it gets to the actual structure of the building, that's the, that's the domain strata policy. So we would defend that. Does so that how sense? to do, so let's say like your insurance, the strata insurance policy is with Hub. Yeah. And your internal insurance policy is with Westland. How are they diving into that and deciding who's covering what? Is it pretty clear cut? It's generally pretty clear cut. Um, it'll be it'll be decided pretty quickly, and there'll be a claims adjuster, probably right. who might be a neutral third party anyhow. Um, but yeah, that that would be relatively clear cut. So once it damages anything which is is structural or the floors or anything like that, it's going to fall under the strata um, strata policy. And do you have to have contents? What if somebody said they didn't care about any other stuff? The reason they have contents coverage is because these policies come as a package. They also um, normally the the protection they give you against the strata policy is multiples of your contents limit. Um, and with these huge high limits of deductibles and everything we're seeing on the strata policy, it's, it's kind of, it's helpful to have contents coverage because it then builds you up a limit to protect you. Back in the day, you know, 10,000 coverage um, would be fine. Um, but now that's not gonna give you enough protection if you're assessed to pay water damage to the building. Um, so that's a factor, but also mo most companies start at about 30,000 coverage anyhow. So it's, it's, they don't really Just, get much lower than that. To, to take a little backstop there, I mean, um, there was one topic that you covered a few questions ago, and it was regards to um, uh, reviewing the strata policy before making a decision to move forward on an on a actual property itself. Yeah. Um, so, it, so just so anybody who's listening knows, when we're working with a client and, they're in the, and they have a subject to financing, we actually uh, get uh, Ian, if they allow us to, which most people do, and Ian does a phenomenal job to review their, their financing policy, which he looks at the actual uh, policy exactly what that insurance would look like and provide some information to the client assuming they, they want it and this this is something I think is under under appreciated and underlooked in a lot of circumstances because uh, again going back to your circumstance that you looked at if, if, a, if a building is well underinsured or, or uh, it has some issues which would cost an inflation insurance in the next six to 12 months I, I think you would want to know those things as we discussed previously so just a quick little point if you are purchasing a property make sure during that subject timeline you have someone like Ian, and if you'd like to reach out to him, we'll, you know he'll have his contact information there to review that policy ahead of time. Is that is that fair to say there, Ian? Yeah, I definitely think in, in today's world with what's happening, it's it would it would be crazy not to. You're really going to see what, what what you're exposing yourself to and the impact it's going to have. Um, on so, have you have you seen this leak into other types of uh, buildings, like uh, commercial buildings? Are we seeing this in the detached market? Or is this mostly confined to strata? It is. Um, it's, it's in a lot of other markets as well. Basically, strata, because they're so huge, they're actually deemed as commercial policies. And um, now that would be the same. If, if you had an apartment building, which is residential occupied, you'd be probably seeing a 30% increase in your renewal this year on average. Um, anything which has residential occupancy, which means you know, people are living there, there is, has been hit worse because obviously there's all the water issues of, you know, you've got a dishwasher, you've got a washing machine, you've got a shower, like there's various things that can go wrong and that's where they're seeing lots of losses. But generally speaking across the board, we, in our office, we should insure some pubs and liquor liability for about 18 months now has been crazy. It's, it's, it's doubled in price. Um, so it, it's basically across the board and, and detached homes are seeing an increase. Um, 
it's probably not to the same extent, but it, it definitely, there is an increase across the board. I'd say it's the hard market is an insurance hard market that we're in and that, that, that covers every line of business, um, whatever it might be. With having come through COVID here, we're seeing a lot of people stay locally within the province to do a lot of traveling. And I'm hearing a lot of people who are purchasing and looking at purchasing um, second homes, vacation properties, uh, these types of things. And, and additionally speaking, just like interested in buying investments uh, with a rental component. Um, so why don't we start, start on that uh, Airbnb situation. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, insuring a property that is likely to be a short-term rental? Like what are the impacts of the insurance? Do you find that people, first of all, disclose it, don't disclose it? And if they do, does that, is there a different insurance policy for those uh, uh, homeowners? Yeah, I mean, I guess if, if they are, it's, it's now because it's widely known, it's all comes up, always comes up as a question on any homeowner application. So if you're buying a seasonal, then it's going to be, you know, are you renting this in some capacity? Um, and there's there's limited amount of companies who will insure. So your typical home insurance companies, I think there's only like probably one or two, maybe three who will do Airbnb seasonals um, or even short-term rentals if they're not seasonal. Say if you have a condo in Vancouver and you decide to Airbnb it, you're looking at getting, you know, your, your standard insurance markets would probably, a lot of them wouldn't go for it. But there are there are options, and I have quite a few clients who are doing exactly that. They're buying seasonals and they they rent it out Airbnb, whether it's you know Colchester Lake or somewhere in the interior or Whistler, that kind of thing. There are options, um, but yeah, it, you just have to look at it slightly differently. And with those, you also want to you know you want to make sure you're getting your rental income coverage as well. That if you know if you've got somewhere in the interior and there's a wildfire and you uh, lose your place, then you're relying on that income. If you've you've looked at it as an Airbnb investment, you want to make sure you've got lots of rental income as well. If you were able to, you know, right. lose your property due to something like that. So, in a different scenario, what about somebody buying, say, a condo? They live in it for a year, so it's owner-occupied insurance, and mm-hmm. then they decide that they're going to refinance or they're going to buy their next property, move into it, but they're going to rent out that current, the first property that they bought. Mm-hmm. What would happen if somebody didn't change that to rental insurance or tenants insurance and there was an issue? Would they not be covered? Like, is that very important that it, it gets switched over? Yeah. I mean, generally, as, as all policies have, um, they're, they're called statutory de- uh, declarations. And one of those is, you know, obviously any known material change needs to be notified to your insurance company within, I think it's 30 or 60 days. So, yeah, if you've moved out of that property, uh, how they insure a rental property compared to a home your, your actual home is very different because naturally, you know, tenants, there's more risk. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, generally speaking, it, it should be notified, you know, fairly quickly. Um, and that, and you got the insurance company has a, well, I don't know if it's a right, but they typically do inform the lender. Is that correct? If yeah. there's a mortgage on that property, you guys would typically notify them of any insurance changes as well. Yeah, typically there's 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 well there's a thirty um, standard mortgage clause on each policy if there is a mortgage and that one thirty day notice of cancellation so that's the key thing that if you aren't paying your insurance premiums the mortgage company knows that you know and quite often on you know they're refinancing we'll be asked to provide a binder of insurance and at that point they'll see the policy um, yeah. if you're making changes like changing it to a rental I don't know how clear they would unless they really looked into it um, would see it but. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely, if you don't have insurance on a property, that's when the lender will find out because it's, it's right. part of the agreement. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that's quite interesting as far as, you know, just making sure that people, I, I don't think it's something that people didn't know, but I think a lot of people forget about the importance of making that trans, uh, transfer over. 
Um, I didn't know about the uh, loss of income uh, on, a, on the rental policy yeah. as a key part of it. And I imagine that's optional to choose that. Yeah, it is optional. Um, I mean, yeah, depending what sort of policy form you have. But uh, yeah, you do want to be looking for that if you're Airbnb. You know, if you've got an Airbnb or something along those lines, then that's just make sure you're adequately getting a rental income returned if, if something happens. Yeah. No question. No question. Well, you clearly know your stuff, man. Thanks for coming down and doing this. We really appreciate it or, or hopping online. Um, you know, insurance is something I don't think we talk about enough. Uh, it, it, you know, it's not the sexy thing. I mean, you know, but, uh, but this is really helpful. So like just, a, you know, um, you know, knowing the fact that, you know, these, these issues that are occurring, are, they're, they're worldwide. They are, there is government intervention. We don't know what that looks like yet. So we'll probably have you come on when we figure out what that actually does look like. And then just yeah. some, some solid, solid, quick explanations and tips as far as the different types of insurance policies. Ian, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We really appreciate it. Any parting words from your end? Well, yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. One day we'll be uh, in person having a beer, hopefully, but uh, this, this is a good start. Very, very soon, my friend. Very soon. Thanks again. We'll talk to you hey, soon, man. Ian. Again, again from Abbotsford. Cheers.